What an amazing, amazing week it was uh, up there. And, uh, you know, this, this video, just, just, that's just six minutes of, it's just a snippet of what took place. And uh, I just want to take time to say thank you to every person uh, that was praying for us while we were up there. Thank you for every person that sponsored a kid to go to camp. Seriously, you're, the, that, that impact just lives on forever. And uh, we are just so grateful that uh, we have a church that believes uh, in these camps, believes in, in young people knowing God, not having to wait till they're 30 years old to figure it out. Not, not like you figure it out when you're 30. I'm 33 and still haven't figured it out. But you, you know what I mean. So thank you so much. I know we baptized about 157 people while we were up there. Um, over 200 students went to camp this year. So thank you, Celebration, for making that possible. We're already excited for Camp 23. We already have the dates locked in. We have the camp locked in. Uh, we're going to take 400 people next year. You watch. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. It's going to be good. Um, you will, hey, at, at the end of service today, we're going to give people an opportunity to give uh, at the very end. Pastor Randy will be coming up uh, to close the service uh, but your giving makes a huge, huge impact, and we're grateful for that. Uh, as you can see, we have an incredible group of people up here. These are, these are, uh, the, 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 man, they all do different things here at Celebration. I mean, I mean, and you would think like they're here 24-7. These people are maybe running a business. They're working different places. They're doing so many different things, but I'm grateful that there are gifts in this house people that God has brought here to help us pastor people better. And um, this past week, I heard every single one of these people speak to our students. And I'm just sitting back thinking, why do I need to get up and preach? Like, let them preach. These people are amazing. And they shared some things from their heart uh, that impacted our teenagers in such a special way. And, um, and I really believe uh, that what they share today from their hearts are going to impact you. Um, you may not like all of them, but you're going to like one of them. I'm telling you that. You're going you're gonna to have your favorite. You're going to love all of them. I promise you that. Um, and so, guys, thank you so much for, for making this happen. They're not going to preach 30-minute sermons. Uh, they have five minutes. And so uh, you're going to hear them individually for five minutes, and they're going to share something awesome. I don't know exactly what they're going to share. Just don't cuss while you're up here, and you'll be fine. You'll be, you'll be good to go. I want to welcome our first, our first speaker today. Uh, he also helps lead our youth team here at Celebration. This is Preston. Preston is... Honestly, he had he had an incredible team that was helping him orchestrate that. And he's going to give all the credit to his team because that's what good leaders do. But this guy made it happen. This was the first camp he has ever ran, and he did a phenomenal job. And we love you, man. And um, I know something we I don't even know if we made reference to it, but I know this Wednesday we're going to be meeting back here because we have our youth nights on Wednesday. Uh, and we have uh, uh, one of my favorite speakers. His name is Robert Golden. He's actually over here, former Pittsburgh Steeler, uh, and just changing the world today uh, with his school. And so we're delighted to have him this Wednesday. We're also going to have free tacos. And so if you're a teenager or you know a teenager, this Wednesday at 7 o'clock, be here. It is going to be awesome. Well, hey, you only have three minutes left, Preston. So oh, man. I better take, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I know I've already said it, but I just want to once again thank our pastors in this church for believing in the next generation. Huge, huge deal. 
I really believe that this generation over here that you guys are called, that you guys are chosen, that you guys are going to reach the world, that you're going to reach the unreached, I just have a feeling that this is going to be the generation that really changes the world for the better. We love you guys. All right, I got four minutes left. Okay, let's get started. Um, I was, I was, every time like during the holiday season, I always start to get like in really bad shape. Like, like I always like gain a lot of weight because there's a bunch of food and I love eating food. And I was talking to somebody about like getting in shape and they said, all right, man, well, you gotta, and it's something we've all heard. They, he said, he said this diet is everything. We've all heard this. He said, you gotta feed your muscle and you gotta starve your fat, like really intensely. And, and, uh, and, and he, and he said, because what you, what you feed grows, but what you starve dies. And, and I, I was thinking about this like spiritually because we all have a spiritual hunger in us. Like there's something that brought you into this building today. There's something that your spirit desires so much more. And sometimes our outlets aren't really the greatest. Our spiritual diet is a little messed up if we're being real. Um, and let me... Let me say something real quick. Um, like, you're not gonna find fulfillment in certain things, and maybe that's been the thing that you've ran towards to feed your spirit. Um, I'm gonna read this Bible verse really quick, and it says this in Matthew 5, 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. And sometimes, like, we find ourselves uh, feeding our spirit with the wrong things, like, like we, 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 we turn to TV and, and more vacations and more, and more money because we're trying to fill something and, and we spend time keeping up with the Kardashians when we should be keeping up with church. Uh, and, and, and we feed certain things that we shouldn't. Like we, we feed our depression with, with an addiction because it's a way that we can escape or we feed our anxieties with some medication and a margarita, come on. And, and that woke somebody up. They're like, margaritas in church? <laughs> We hunger for something and we reach for the wrong food. We reach for the wrong thing. We feed loneliness with lust. We feed insecurities with another relationship and a cute Instagram picture. We feed very real problems with very wrong things. And I'm not here to judge you. I'm only here to point you in the direction of some better food. It's time that you let God be God and Jesus be the thing that satisfies you because there's breakthrough found in Him. He's the thing that you need to hunger after. You gotta hunger after worship. Come on, church, I need your help right now. You gotta hunger after the Word. There's some things that you need to, that you need to feed your spirit. Feed it with the right thing and watch God be God and breakthrough come. Whoo! There's something out there that can satisfy the thing that, 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 that you need to be satisfied. God wants to fill the thing that sin has been filling. God wants to fill the thing that sin has been filling. We turn towards so much of the wrong things, but God wants to be that thing that when he gets a hold of you, you don't want anything else. That, that, that when he gets a hold of you, you realize this is what my spirit has been looking for. It's been God all along. I need Jesus, not more of this stuff. It's not a you problem, it's a diet issue. So get towards the right food and feed your spirit. I'm out of time pretty much, so let's pray real quick and we're gonna end it. God, I, I just pray right now that you'd help us to turn towards you, Lord. That you're the thing that satisfies our spirit. 
It's not, it's not more TV. It's not more money. It's not more vacations. That stuff's cool. But in reality, God, we need you. We need a move of God in our life. And I pray over this church, God, that they'd, under, that they'd understand who you really are, that you love them, that you care about them, that you're after them, that, that, that you're the thing that they need to satisfy those deep and broken places. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can we make some noise for Preston? Wow. So good. Next, I want to invite Sambria up here to the stage. If you haven't heard Sambria, you're in for a del- you're going to enjoy it. We always we always tell Sambria like if she wasn't here, she could have her own like podcast or talk cuz her voice sounds like you should be like a news anchor. It is awesome. I'm just kidding. I put you on the spot, Sambria. Take it away. Can you hear me now? Awesome, awesome. Well, as you guys know, my name is Sambria Morgan, and you know, our theme for camp this year was the one you love. And I started thinking to myself, okay, the one I love, how has his love changed me? And I can say his love has changed me because it has allowed me to put him first. Now, it didn't always start out like that. You know, I've grown up in the church all my life. You know, my parents have served and held um, important spots and positions in church. You know, I've been in that children's church choir. Some of you guys in there might know what that is. Or even like praise dancing and doing all of that. But it wasn't until I started getting older to where I was like, God, I need more of you. I need to know who are you outside of the covering of my parents. So when I got older, you know, I stepped up, I stepped out, and I stumbled across Celebration Church. And, you know, I just came here thinking, I'm just going to sit in the background, you know, just learn, just be in the presence of God. And then I started meeting Anthony Favila. And all y'all know Anthony Joe Favila. And getting connected with him and Shay and just serving um, with college students and young adults. I was like, man, God, this is what I was after. This is what I was chasing towards. This is what I needed more of. And we had fun. We were doing so many things. And then COVID happened. (laughs) And everything was on the shutdown. Everything was slowed down. And I thought to myself, well, God, I can see this as a negative opportunity or the right opportunity. I'm not going to waste time anymore. You're taking the moment, literally taking that moment of COVID happening to slow down my life, to give me that time I need with you. So I'm not going to waste it. You know, I was in a season of my life where a lot of things were transitioning and changing. Some of you guys may still be in that moment of your life. And I was just like, God, I need you. If anything else, I need you. Nothing else. You're all I need. And I'm reminded of this story in the Bible um, where we look at the two sisters, Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. And, you know, Jesus came to their house and, you know, you see one sister, Martha, she's cleaning, she's preparing, she's cooking. And then you find the other sister, Mary. She's at the feet of Jesus. And you can look in Bible. Bible tells us that in Luke 10, verse 40 through 42, it says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about the things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. You know, we can relate to these sisters more than we think. You know, to place to be placed in the feet of Jesus or to place something else where he needs to be. You know, for most of our lives, we place things in front of Jesus, 
whether that be TV subscriptions like Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, HBO Max. It might be wanting to go see your favorite artist perform live, and we are willing to pay that price, no matter how much those tickets cost, to go see them. Or maybe it's with money, our jobs, our career, hanging out with friends for how long, doing God knows what. Instead of binging a sermon, being in our word, worshiping, really putting God in that number one spot. And for me, it just kind of got to that point of like, God, if you're not in it, I don't want it. If you didn't say yes to it, I don't want it. Help me not make my yes to something that you called and said no. God, that if your presence isn't there, I don't want it. I don't want it. So it kind of just got to the point of like, God, here I am. I'm available to you. Have I put you in that number one spot? And when I got serious, you know, with that, I was just like, God, I know you can do so much better, do so much more with my life than I can do in my own hands. You can do so much more, so much better. And I find like oftentimes we also place relationships in that place where God needs to be, romanticizing the person we want to be with or dating and this, that, and the other, romanticizing. You can even listen to a love song and put someone in that place or watch rom-coms and be like, oh my God, I can't wait till I have this and I have that. But it's like God saying, put me first, put me there. I can be your knight in shining armor. I can be your damsel in distress. All you gotta do is say yes. So when I got desperate to be like, God, I'm coming. I'm coming to the church no matter how tired I am, no matter what I was doing, work, this, that, whatever. Most people go home and sleep and eat and do all this and unpack. I'm like, no, God, I'm running to you. I'm coming to you. So maybe God is reaching towards you right now in this moment. And maybe this is the chance in the moment that you're going to reach back and say, God, here I am. Because I know that with you, I'm good. I'm better than good. I'm great. So trust and know that when he's reaching for you, reach back. Reach back for him because he's going to do far more than you could ask, think, or imagine when you put him first. When you step in and say, God, you got this and you got me, so let's go. So good. Wow. Next, I want to invite Tori to the stage. Make some noise for Tori. Recently married to good old Kenny G. Hey, everyone. So I'm going to be talking about how God's love changed me. And so um, really thinking about this, there's a lot of ways that God's love changed me. But one thing that used to keep me stuck was seeing God as a religious God. And it wasn't until I really owned what the relationship that he had between me and him, that's when I was able to set myself free. You see, I grew up in a military home where you did everything when you were asked, when you were asked, exactly the way you were asked, and there was no time to mess up nor make a mistake. And it was never the time. And so what this did to me was really instill discipline but it also really instilled this deeply rooted fear that I had to be perfect, that I couldn't make any mistakes, and that if I did, there would be consequences. And if I'm being honest, we see God this way. We see God as if we have to prove ourselves. And I remember there was this time in my life, I was about preteen, probably 12 or even probably even 13 years old, and I was going through this phase of talking back. All my young girls or dads out there that you gotta deal with your daughters talking back, that was me. And um, I remember it got really bad at one point, my dad says. And so he decided to drive me to juvenile hall. 
And I didn't know he knew the guy there. Um, he used to go there and help, but he knew the guy. And so he was like, I'm going to leave you there for 24 hours. And so my heart was pumping. I was scared. And I don't know if you guys know, but when your dad says something, he means it. And so I was like, my dad's legit. He's going to take me to juvenile hall. And I was crying and I was begging for forgiveness. And I was like, dad, let me prove to you that I can be the daughter that you want me to be. Just give me another chance. Please just give me another chance. And it wasn't until that moment when he seen the fear and the tears in my eyes that he decided to turn around. And this always messed with me because I always felt like, man, God, you are a God that is just going to judge my life. I don't want to serve you because I can't live up to your expectations. Yes, I'm growing up in church, but it's hard. It's hard because I don't fit this perfect idea of a daughter of what you want me to be. And that messed with me. That brought insecurities. That brought fear. That made me feel like I have to live up to people's expectations. That if I didn't meet their expectations, they wouldn't want anything to do with me. And you see, there's this thing that I was going through, and it's really just a, like this list of religion and the list of relationship. And I don't know about you. I don't know what's keeping you bound today, but there are things that I'm going to read here that are probably going to set you free. So would you just open up your heart and hear me right now? So religion says, rules ruin my life. But relationship, it says, boundaries keep me safe. Religion says, you better not do that. And relationship, it says, I won't do that because it's going to hurt my relationship with my father. Religion says, don't miss church on Sunday. But relationship says, I get to go to church to worship the one that I love. Religion says, I'm fearful that I'm not measuring up. And relationship says, I enjoy the freedom of being forgiven. Religion says, judgment comes when I sin. And relationship says, God's mercy covers me when I sin. Right now, I'm just going to take a moment, and it's going to be different, but I promise you it's really going to be an eye-opener. So I'm just going to encourage you guys all to be present in this moment, but I'm going to have all of you guys close your eyes. Go ahead and close your eyes in this building. And right now, I just want you to imagine the sin that has kept you from God. That sin that has kept you up at night, the thing that people look at you and they won't forget, the thing that you hide behind, that when you put your head on that pillow, it keeps you up and it has tormented you for years. The thing in your childhood that you can't let go of. The thing that when you look in the mirror, you are ashamed because you feel that guilt, you feel the shame and, the, and just the bitterness of your life because you feel like you've messed it up and everybody is against you. And now I want you to think about the people and their response to when they heard and found out about your sin. Maybe it was belittling, maybe it was heartbreaking. Maybe they feel that you could never measure up. They made you feel so less than, like you were the problem, that it was all your fault and that God could never love you ever again. Now I want you to think about that one more time. And instead of thinking about their response, I want you to see and hear how God is, because I'm about to tell you his response to that sin. He says, son, daughter, I love you. I care for you. You are forgiven and you are the chosen one. I have called you by name. I am using you and your story. I'm taking your mess and I'm making it your message. I am going to use you in this world. I love you. Let me show you who you are through me through my love, 
Let me be the father that you always needed. Let me show you that I am a compassionate father, that I love you no matter what, that your sin could do you nothing to get in the way of our relationship. Stop running from me. Would you just come home? I need you in my arms. Let me love you. Let me strengthen you when you are weak. I have a purpose and a plan for your life. Let me get to know you. Now go ahead and open your eyes. You see, that is the God that we serve. That is our Father. And in, there's a scripture I want to read in 1 John. It says, um, 1 John 4, 16, it says, We have come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love that he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. So I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what you've been held down by, but today is a day where you set yourself free because he already set you free 2,000 years ago when he sent his son to die for you. He died for you and he loves you and he still wants to use you. He is good. Can we say he's good? Now turn to your neighbor and say, you look better free. Give it up for Tori, everybody. So good. Next, I want to invite Bianca to the stage. Her nickname, her nickname at Celebration, she doesn't like it. We call her Beyonce, but, but she's Bianca. <laughs> Queen B, get it. Well, first of all, how dare you put me after all these great, amazing speakers. My gosh, I'm already sweating, and it's not cute, but I'm going to go for it anyways. Um, I just want to talk to you guys about words. The words that you speak to your kids, the words that you speak to yourself, they matter. And I know that we're always talking about the word and always being filled within it, but I want to ask you guys a couple of questions because I'm nosy and I also love questions. The first one is, what are you telling yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror? Now, I'm going to have Preston come up, the model today. He's single, ladies, just putting it out there. But anyways... This is a mirror, and I want to ask you guys today, what are you telling yourself the first thing you see in the morning? Is it what God has spoken over you, or is it what others have said? Is it you're a failure? You can crack the mirror. <laughs> that's okay. It's an that's okay. You're fine. You're fine. Is it that you're ugly? Is it that, I don't know, you lost your job, so it makes you seem like a loser? Is it that because you haven't had any kids yet, so you don't know where you're going in life? Is it because you haven't purchased a home? Or worse, is it because someone's called you ugly or fat or stupid? Okay, now, the thing is, is obviously this mirror didn't break. But if I'm being honest with you, for the past 30 years of my life, I would see a shattered mirror every morning when I woke up because I was hard on myself and the words that I spoke to myself. But the thing that I didn't realize is that God doesn't see those broken pieces like I see them. God sees those broken pieces and he can make a masterpiece out of them. And I know that it sounds cheesy and it sounds cliche and I wasn't even gonna share any of this at all, but I feel like I need to. If you're not dead, God's not done. And I mean that with sincerity and genuinity right now. Because there was a time in my life where I felt like committing suicide. 
I went into my closet and I prayed for God to take the agony away from me because I felt like a failure because my friends were moving on. They were having kids. They were buying homes and they were getting married and I felt stuck. I felt stuck in religion. I felt stuck because I had to start taking medication for depression and I felt like a failure and I told God, why? Why would you bless everyone, Lord? I'm doing everything right, but you're not blessing me, God. Why would you do everything for everyone else, but you're not doing it for me? And in that moment, God said, Bianco, if you believe that I am who you say I am, then why haven't you fully submitted to me, body, mind, and spirit? And I want you guys to know today, your question for me today is if you fully believe that God is who you say he is, if you fully believe that God is the God of miracles, that God can do everything that you've asked for, that God will and he can, then why haven't you fully submitted him to him, body, mind, and spirit? Now, I didn't even share this with the youth. I know that we were supposed to come up here and share a message of what we said, but I feel it so strong in my spirit right now, and I have to be obedient to tell you over and over again that God is not finished with you yet. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter that you didn't get that job. It didn't matter that you didn't get married. It didn't matter if you have kids. It doesn't matter because success isn't what culture makes it. Success isn't what society says. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that God seals you like love. And I'm gonna read it to you right now because it's something that I am obsessed about. And it says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. God takes those broken pieces of your life. People that have abused you emotionally, sexually, financially, people that have taken advantage of you, husbands who have cheated on their wives, wives who have cheated on their husband. He takes those pieces and you know what he does to them? He seals them. He seals them with his love. And today that's what we're here for. We're here to be sealed with his love. And that's for you today. That's for me today. That's a promise. I didn't make that up. That's not something that I made up today. And I just decided to randomly say that's something that's given to you. And today, I don't believe that you're here on accident. I know we say this often, but today I'm going to be real. God changed my life, and I will be completely honest. My parents don't even know. I would have killed myself if it wasn't for the love of God. I would have said that I was done if it wasn't for the love of God. And so today I stand before you, and I tell you what changed my life was the... <laughs> I am so sorry. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. <laughs> what changed my life was that moment when I was postured and I got on my knees. And so today, this week, I challenge you, go to your secret place, get on your knees, and you tell God, because he's not surprised with your circumstances. He's not surprised when you're angry at him. He's not surprised with where you're at. He knows, and he's waiting for you to come to him so that way he can seal, with you, seal you with a beautiful purpose. And that's all I got for you guys this morning, but I love you guys. So good. Wow. Do you have any idea? We, man, goodness gracious, this is awesome. You guys are incredible. I want to invite Kenny. I want to invite Kenny to come on up, man. Wow, is anybody receiving anything this morning? Amen, amen. Hey, God's moving. The water's fine. Jump right in. You know, it's always been amazing to me of how much emphasis the Bible placed on the importance of names. See, when we get ready to name a kid, we uh, get on Google and we'll search what's trending or even scarier, we'll try and get creative. 
which uh, be careful parents, by the way, those kids on the playground, it's no joke, they're, they're very mean. Um, but when the Bible was dealing with names, it dealt with their direct identity. That's why God in so many stories would get directly involved and change a person's name because he wanted to speak to who they really were. It was who they really were. And isn't that one of the biggest issues we're facing today in society? One of the biggest questions is only a question of three words. Who am I? It cuts to your core. It deals with what you really believe about yourself. You know, there's a story in the Bible of a couple who fell madly in love. It's one of those hallmark fairy tale type love stories where the Bible even says it was love at first sight. It was a man with God's promise. It was a beautiful woman. Their names were Jacob and Rachel. This man, Jacob, he had to work seven years for his wife. That's how they did it back in the day. But Jacob's love for her was so strong that the Bible says that seven years felt like a few days. They were crazy in love. They get married, but because of the situation, they were living as exiles, like outlaws. They were always on the run. But everything changed when Jacob had an encounter with God, because that's when things change. When you have an encounter with God, when God gets real and shows himself to you. He shows Jacob his future home and everything that he's gonna give him. And so Jacob gets his family together and they pack up and they journey to a place they can finally call home. Isn't that what we're all looking for? A place that we could call home. And so they're taking this journey, but the Bible shows that this story takes a tragic turn. It says that when Rachel is giving birth to her second son, that labor doesn't go according to plan. And she experiences extreme hardship and pain and the Bible says that as she is delivering her son and bringing her son into this world, that her soul is leaving it. She begins to die. And this is not how the story was supposed to play out. This was not what we planned. This was not what we talked about. We were supposed to live and enjoy each other forever. We were supposed to finally get to that place that we could call home. And the Bible says something very interesting that this mom in this place of her disappointment, her pain, and even her dying state, that she names her son Benoni, which means the son of my sorrow or the son of my pain. In this moment of her loss, her pain, she's dying. She names her son. But the Bible says something even more interesting. It says that the father steps in and changes his name and says, you will not be named Benoni. You will be named Benjamin, which means the son of my strength. Come on, because there's so much in the name. There's so much in the name. Now think about this. He would have been misidentified. For his whole life, he would have been carrying the wrong name because a dying person, a hurt person, tried to project their pain and their disappointment on somebody else. Isn't that what they like to do? But just because they're dying doesn't mean I have to. And just because your story ended in pain and disappointment doesn't mean that has to be my story. Jacob could have come in agreement with that name. And I'm wondering today, which names have you come in agreement with? Ugly, stupid, pervert, 
I have another question. What if from this day forward, you didn't come in agreement with any name that didn't come from your father? Woo! If it's not from him, it ain't me. Say it with me. If it's not from him, it ain't me. So would you raise your hands right now? I'm going to pray a prayer for you. Woo! This is a holy moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, I break every lie over the people of God. Every incorrect name, I break it right now in the name of Jesus. From this day forward, you will be named from the spirit of life. Your name will come from the Father who loves you with all of his heart. Woo! The, th the theme of camp was the one you love. And I declare over you this morning that you are the one God loves. You are chosen. You are accepted. You are favored. You are beloved. And I say this prayer in the name of Jesus. And if you're in agreement with this this morning, you shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, is anybody thankful? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to uh, shift gears a little bit. You know, in settings like this, we always have those in mind who have not made the personal decision to know God in a relationship. If you have not had a moment where you personally received the free gift of God's love and salvation through Jesus Christ, I'm speaking to you this morning. You know, that whole identity thing is big and one of the reasons why is because if you have a misconception about yourself, one of the biggest dangers that we do with that is that we project that image onto God's face. We say, if we see ourselves this way, then God must see myself that way. That was actually one of Adam's biggest mistakes. A man who knew God on an intimate level like we don't understand. But he sinned, he fell short, and his whole being began to change. But one of the biggest mistakes he made was he knew God was perfect, he knew God was holy, he knew God was love, and now the Bible says his eyes were open and he realized that he was imperfect, that darkness was flooding his soul, that he was broken, and he thought that if I see myself this way, then God must see the, myself this way. And what that caused him to do was hide from the very God that he needed. And we've been hiding ever since. And we've been dealing with an incorrect image of God ever since. So much so that when God finally decides to send Jesus, one of the primary reasons that he came was to show us what the Father was really like. He told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Another scripture says that Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. That means that when God got ready to show himself to the world, he sent Jesus. So if you've seen Jesus, that's what God is really like. Jesus had a public ministry, I'll be quick, for three and a half years. And he had an inner circle. One of those guys' name was Peter. And Peter followed Jesus and saw what God was really like, what a father was really like. So when he healed the blind eyes, it was no surprise because that's what a father would do. He restores a woman caught in adultery, no surprise, because that's what a good father would do. Blind men cry out to him and say, son of David, have mercy on me, and he heals them 
because that's what a father would really do. Jesus' story comes to a close. He's getting ready to go to the cross. The disciples get placed in a tight spot, and, but the Bible says that Peter denies Jesus. Nick preached about it last week, three times. Denied him three times. This is not just anybody, this is Jesus. Perfection, this is the ultimate betrayal. Peter messed up royally. Jesus dies, but you know the story on the third day, he raises from the dead. Now, Peter didn't know that. There were rumors, but he hadn't seen it. And there's this awesome story that says that Peter and the guys were on a boat one day, and there was a silhouette, and it looked like and just gave the feeling that it was Jesus until one disciple yelled out and confirmed, it's him. And the knee-jerk reaction, without even thinking about it, Peter dove in the water to get to Jesus as fast as he could. Now this is the man that on the last time they saw each other and locked eyes, he had betrayed him. Shouldn't he be hiding? Shouldn't he be afraid? But he spent enough time around Jesus to know what God is really like. Woo! And I'm here to tell you this morning, this is your opportunity. You heard how the love of God changed the lives of everybody up here. And yours is next. So if you would, close your eyes and bow your heads. This is your moment. I'm here to tell you what God is really like. He is love. He's good all the way around. He's light all the way around. He has no dark sides to him. And he's crazy in love with you. I'm going to tell you something else. Your life change is on the other side of you running to him as fast as you can. Running to him as fast as you. Your restoration, your healing, your blessing, purpose is on the other side of you running to him as fast as you can. So if this is you and you have not received of this love, if you have not known this God on an intimate level right now, I want you to raise your hands all across the room. This is your moment. Raise your hands. I see them. I see them. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Come on, even church, pray with me this morning. Say, Father, I thank you this morning for the love that you have for me. Right now, I receive this free gift of life itself wash away my sins remove my past from me this day my real life begins in Jesus name everybody said amen amen